Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, October 11th. And on today's show, we are going through the odds, giving predictions and best bets for the NBA awards for the upcoming 2023-2024 NBA season, kicking off in just about two weeks. This is one of the most fun conversations me and my guests have every year. We've had this conversation going back probably a decade, but since I've been in the content game, what, now three seasons, this is the third time we're doing it as a podcast. Joining me is the most frequent guest on the show, someone who you become very familiar with as we get into NBA content. His name is Gibby Graves. Gibby, welcome back to the pod. How has your summer been, and how excited are you for not only our annual awards discussion, but general NBA coming very soon. Been great. Uh, super pumped to be back. You know, this is always my favorite, my favorite time for betting. We got football, we got basketball, the two sports that I care most dearly about. Um, and I've been on an absolute heater recently, so I'm pumped. I'm pumped for 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 all these discussions. To take you guys behind the curtain, and we have some announcements and promos to do before we get into the knee deep into the weeds of the odds. The guy to this side of the screen from me right now is on a tear like no other. So when I've seen some of his recent bet slips, I'm like, you need to give out all the bets in the world tomorrow because we have not seen a heater like this in recent memories. Uh, Gibby, quick announcement to the people watching, the people listening. I think it's pretty obvious to know. I'm a new face on this YouTube channel, the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel, Fantasy Basketball International podcast feed. I'm going to be a new face in their Discord channel. I have partnered with, and I'm very excited to announce, The Advantage is doing a collab with Fantasy Basketball International for all of my NBA content going forward. I will be back in their Discord channel, giving out all of my best bets, picks, and write-ups. I will be doing DFS contests against their people, their listener leagues. You can come join their listener leagues. You can come join their Discord. Simply go to the Fantasy Basketball International and check out all of their stuff. I'd like to thank quickly Adam King and Brendan Woodward for the nice conversations and all of the amazing setup to bring me on. I think it is going to be a very nice transition to help bringing some of this wager and content into an existing and awesome fantasy space. So for the new listeners coming from there, I appreciate you giving me some of your time. I don't know if you're interested in wagering or just general basketball discussions. Regardless, I think I will win over your approval pretty quickly. I'm pretty good at this stuff. Uh, not only the content side, but the betting side and the fantasy space as well. In addition to doing betting content every single week for the entire season on this channel, I will also be joining Adam King for a weekly streamers episode for fantasy basketball. And I will be hosting a DFS contest through their Discord probably weekly as well. So a lot of exciting stuff to come between the Advantage and Fantasy Basketball International. I will do more plugging and promos about where you can find me at the end of the episode, but I don't want to belabor those points too long before we get into the good stuff. So, Gibby, let's just get this thing started. Welcome over with me to the Fantasy Basketball International page, and let's pretty much just start with when we enter the website to check the odds for the NBA awards, the basic premise of these things is 
to use these to formulate a discussion for how we're viewing the rest of the season. Neither of us, I actually have zero NBA awards bets placed already. You are right now in Florida, but generally located in New York, where you're actually not allowed to bet NBA awards when you're in your place. You have to submit it now that you're in Florida, and you, knowing you, you probably will. Um, but regardless, we're not going so heavy into these markets. We have other futures bets. I have other futures portfolios that I will be releasing, so anyone listening can go see it. But generally, NBA awards, you don't want to bet these markets too heavily, and you generally want to start to portfolio some of these bets into having a few different players for MVP or six man of the year, or coach of the year, or anything like that. And it's important to not only strike early, but then also strike quarter season and mid season once these narratives start to form. So we will have this discussion now. And then me and you will check back in on this probably in December around Christmas or the new years when like not the the less of the nerds who are interested in NBA season the whole year, but the casuals who start getting into it in December, January months, when those people start coming in and the awards start to solidify themselves, the stories start to solidify themselves, then we look to re-enter this futures market. So for now, it is a great place to have a light discussion around how we're viewing the upcoming season. And if there are any places that we are synonymous, simpatico on, then perhaps we will lay a wager down into those spaces. How do you feel generally about NBA awards and that topic and just the idea of exposure into these markets? Yeah, I'm not going, I'm not going deep. I'm not putting, you know, heavy money right now. Uh, it's too much of a craft at the beginning of the season, but I love these discussions just to to get it going, see, you know, who are the favorites, who are some of the guys who I might be eyeing maybe a little bit later when it might be a little bit easier to actually win some money on, on these bets. So the first place to start, probably NBA MVP. Uh, let's go. Generally, when we're talking about awards, let's quickly talk about the criteria needed to win this award. And to be honest, this one confuses me a little bit as we just jump right into it. Uh, I think the criteria and like the rubric and the voting on this award has changed over the last few years. It used to just be best player from the best team. It used to just be this player is going to come from one of the top two seeds, one of the top three seeds in their conference, and they're going to be the clearly dominant player on their team. It has since evolved when Russell Westbrook got his triple-double season, and I think OKC finished third that season in, or, or sixth. It's one of those two. They either finished third or sixth. I believe it was third. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I believe it was third, and he was the first player in a non-first or second seed to win the MVP all the way going back to Carl Malone. So previously, it had always been from a one or two seed. Then Russell Westbrook wins the award with a triple-double. And then we've seen in the recent years, Jokic come in with just outstanding numbers. He won it once from a sixth seed. He won it once from, I think, a two, one or two seed. And then this previous year, even though he was putting up gaudy stats again, the award shifted over. To Embiid, I don't know if it was voter fatigue. I don't think it was a stats thing. The Nuggets had a better record. So the whole voting around the award has confused me so far. What do you think NBA MVP really means today? What are the voters looking for this season? Well, just to mention last year, the whole thing with Perk changing the the narrative of the MVP award to have a race little aspect of it was, was a big part of it. But um, for me, 
Uh, I, I still think that the top two seeds still matters. I think voters think about winning as a big part of it. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at the past couple of years, except for the Russell Westbrook year, you're seeing guys who are putting up good numbers and winning. So those are the only two things that I think are the biggest. And you got to put up numbers and you got to win. Uh, and I think you mentioned those things before. I think those are the, the only two big criteria. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think the, the voting has changed over the past couple couple of years. Do you think it's starting to shift back into it's got to come from a top two team? I actually feel like we're going to start going back the other way where a guy like Tatum gets a little bit of a boost this year because he's probably going to be on a top four team in the NBA, right? It's, go- it's going to be this is a season where we come into it with more parity than we've seen in previous seasons with more uh, t- teams that can compete across the board, maybe 10 teams deep in the odds that could realistically enter the season thinking they have a chance to win the championship. So for me, it'll come down to record playing a big part this year, but simply because of the confusion around the criteria for this award is a reason why we limit our exposure. So let's start going through the names, Gib. First yep. is obviously Jokic. Uh, for me, it's hard to bet Jokic because it breaks my cardinal rule of I cannot root for my bet more to win than the player himself. And it seems like it he does not really care too much if he wins the MVP award like we've seen the past few years, right? He takes himself out of the discussion whether or not he really cares behind the scenes. I'm outwardly going to be caring for a five to one bet to hit. So I don't really want to go too heavily into those waters. How do you feel about Jokic and the top of the board? Is there anyone else as a favorite that you kind of like? I'm looking at Luka. I kind of like Luka. He's been the favorite the past few years. This one, this now he comes in at second or third behind Jokic and Giannis in some places. Some places he's just second. To me, the trouble with betting Luka is that the Mavs win total is 44 and a half. So if we're talking about the importance of a one and two seed this year, I really don't think the Mavericks have a that realistic of a chance to land there. So then I would be going against what I just said in order to enter the Luka market, even though I think he's got a chance to be like the most valuable player and really lift his team this year. So who are you looking at at the top of the board? Anyone really intrigue you? Uh, you mentioned the guy that I that I had circled. Uh, Jason Tatum is someone who I see as like a has a really great shot of winning this year. The team is supposed to be very, very good. We'll see how Drew Holiday fits into that team. But if Jason Tatum's able to keep the numbers above, you know, 28, 29 points per game, good shooting splits, a, I don't know if he's a 50, 40, 90 guy, but he's somewhere close to that. Um, uh, and they're able to get 55 wins, 54 wins, get the number one or two seed. Uh, I, I feel like it's been a while since a wing has won. Uh, uh, I don't know if you consider Giannis a wing, but the last no. wing, if he's not a wing, the last wing to win is KD in 2014. Do you, it's been do you consider ten. Giannis a wing? No, but like, no. I mean, you, you could make, I mean, there's times he plays I, I, on the I wing. Hear you. you could make that. Yeah. If you're, if you're putting the four there, but he plays just as much five as he does four. But yeah, I agree. It's been what, since 2014, since KD was saying, who's the real MVP. Yeah. KD was the last, last wing. He, um, uh, I guess like hard, I'm not hardened to point guard, so he's not a, a wing, and Russ is a point guard also. So yeah, I think voters might might really like having a, a wing for the first time in almost a decade. What about your thoughts of Embiid coming fifth? Like he's 
plus 1,000 at 10 to 1 odds at Bet Rivers right now. Tatum, 9 to 1 is the best odds at Bet Rivers you can find. You can find Tatum uh, 7.5 to 1 at FanDuel, 6.5 to 1 at Points Bet, but 9 to 1 over at Bet Rivers shows to you why line shopping and making sure you get the best odds on your bet is so important. Embiid comes in at fifth. It goes Jokic, Giannis, Luka, Tatum, and then Embiid. He's been first or second in the awards voting for three straight years. He's coming off the season where he actually finished first. It seems to me the only reason why he's taken a step back is because of the Sixers team situation, right? Do you think that's something that he can overcome and he finishes as a top two seed in the East and he's still an MVP candidate? Or would you take a backseat considering he finally won his award? The Sixers might be chaos. Let's not go into the MVP odds with Embiid. My my hunch is that he's not going to win it. He's not going to be in it. But the reverse is, like, you have all these distractions. James Harden wants out. If he's able to carry them to a, a top three seed with all this Harden drama and Harden gets traded, I think there's a storyline, because I think storyline is always huge for MVP, that he, because he's able to deal with all of this and bring his team and put up the numbers, if he's able to stay healthy, that he he could be back in the conversation for number one. I just thought of something that I definitely meant to mention at the beginning before we started talking about names and odds. The one caveat that would immediately take Embiid out of this race is availability. And we have the, the new season this year with the new rule that you must play 65 games to win one of these NBA awards. There's slight rule changes around that. Did you play 62 and then get a season-ending injury? Did you play two-thirds of your team's games while you were available? Are you over a certain age criteria? Skip me with all of that when it comes to the MVP award. The MVP award is going to be somebody who plays 65-plus games this season. I guarantee it. And those other caveats are going to be more for deciding third-team All-NBA, second guard on this team. It's less... The awards. The awards are going to be 65 game guys. I think Jokic, Giannis, Luka, Tatum, all pretty secure to feel good about entering that market at 65 games. Then you look at Embiid and the guys that come shortly after him Durant, Curry, Lillard, Anthony Davis. Uh, less exciting to bet into those games, into those markets, into those names, knowing that this 65 game rule exists. So even Getting that added boost of the availability is the best ability for Jason Tatum. Makes me feel really good about him. I actually do think I'm going to put a little bit on the plus 900 bet rivers. Is also the, is he going to be the first American to win it in quite a few years as we do this on Fantasy Basketball International? Who, Embiid? Tatum. Is oh, Embiid Tatum. technically an American now that he won it, now that he's playing on Team USA? Do we that's, flip it back and say an American won it last year? That's the point I was making. He's a, he's an American now. He's playing for Team USA. Let's go. I'm happy to have him be part of our part of our team. All right, let's go over to the next award. Actually, no wait. Let's keep going down the NBA MVP awards. Is there any long shot candidate that you like? This is generally not a place where you yeah. find a long shot person. We look at the last few years. It's been Giannis Embiid, Jokic at the top of the board. Their stats seem to be so much further ahead. Their teams seem to be quite further ahead that this is not really a race where someone comes in from out of the blue. Is there anyone that you could even wrap your head around? Like is the idea of LeBron at 50 to one at all exciting? Is the idea of Steph Curry 
more than 10 to 1 at 14 to 1 at all exciting? For me, it's a quick no, but I'll throw it to you. Yeah, no, it's not that exciting. Um, who do you think? I just want a little trivia question for you. Past 12 years, who is the biggest, uh, like the longest shot to win the award, uh, to win the MVP? What were they, those odds and what was he ranked? Like one, one through whatever. I'm going to say it's Jokic after the COVID season. Yep. Post-bubble right. Jokic, 12 to 1. He was plus 2,500. Uh, this is on BetMGM, plus 2,500, and he was the 11th favorite. So okay. that was that was by far the – and he was far and away the longest shot. The next after that was James Harden at 7. So you got to look at really the top 10 guys, maybe top 12. Uh, the only guy that I kind of liked, and I was like, hmm, if there's good, there's something here, is SGA. If the Thunder can put together a season, hear me out, Fit. If the Thunder are a top three seed in the West, SGA averages 32 to 33 points a game. How are you going to tell me he's not in that race? He's definitely in the race. When did he finish fifth last year? Yeah, man. He, he's, in the and, race. he's in the race, right? The question becomes, do they finish as a top four seed? Do they have home court advantage going into the playoffs? Is he averaging 30 points again? And is that then the best way from a gambling perspective, let alone SGA's ability to win MVP? Is it the best way to escalate your play if you're very interested in Oklahoma City being great this season? Is it better than taking Chet at plus like 350 to win Rookie of the Year? Is it better than taking Mark Dagnall like plus 750 to win Coach of the Year? Is it better than taking their alternate win total, which is already really high at like 45 and a half or something crazy? Do you then take their alternate win total like over 50 in a crowded West? And that's only going to be like plus 200 odds. The the sneaky thing is grabbing 18 to one SGA if you really want to escalate this. So this would be something I would recommend from a betting perspective. If you already have other bets closer to the minus 110 odds, if you're already taking their over on their win total, if you're already taking on them, yes, to make the playoffs, if you're already taking them lower than a whatever seed, if you're already taking them as a you know top six seed that they're going to skip the play in, if you're taking those bets as is, it is a nice boost to throw a quarter of a unit, a half a unit on an SGA MVP, because if you are right and if you hit big and simply if he's one of the names that's left on the board in March when there's three or four candidates left, you could then use that 18 to one to work off and grab another name. I grabbed Joel Embiid last year towards the end of the season at minus 1000 when it was very clear when he uh, had that like dominant game against Jokic and then took code to the race. That's when I just bet and be the next day. Cause you can enter those markets late, but if you're sitting on 18 to one ticket and then, you know, that's coming, you could have profitability on both sides. If you're playing a 10 to one later. So I think those are interesting. There's nothing that I liked for later on in this award game. I, I mean, the only one was LeBron, but I'm going to skip it because I just don't think I'm not as high as on the Lakers as everyone else. I don't even have those other escalators that I was talking about for the Lakers. Uh, it's more of a wait and see. And I also have to check my bias because these FBI people listening don't know that my dog is named LeBron. She's not near me. I have a girl dog named LeBron. Uh, so I'm quite biased when it comes to the LeBron talk. Okay, let's go over to rookie of the... Did you see Wembenyama's highlight of his crouch steal from the three-point line where he reached basically into the restricted area? No, I only saw the layup that he like went under uh, Chet. 
uh, like a scoop layup with his like four thousand foot long wingspan. It was that was really nice play. There's also a ridiculous play where he's at like the three point, and then he goes like into this like spider stance and he like pounces forward and he reaches like literally like eight feet and he just swipes the ball and he creates a loose ball then it, it ignites a fast break. Victor Wembanyama is and should be the clear odds-on favorite for the Rookie of the Year. The best odds you can find that is plus 100 at DraftKings all the way out to minus 160 at FanDuel. So heavy favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Scoot Henderson, Chet Holmgren, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, Asar Thompson, uh, Jarris Walker, some of the other names that are coming on this list. To me, this is a three, maybe four-man race between Vic, Scoot, Chet, and Brandon Miller. Uh, I would probably take Brandon Miller out of the conversation because of the structure of the Hornets team right now. It does not seem like he's going to what get... What structure? <laughs> the fact that they still have Gordon Hayward and the fact that they yeah. still have Perry Rozier, right? So <laughs> it's going to slide LaMelo over to like the main ball handler, but he's going to be playing with other wings. And then they have like the book nights and the other players that they want to get more run. So I just don't think he's going to get as much playing time at the start of the season before they potentially move a Gordon Hayward or a Rozier. So I would be looking to wait on the Brandon Miller. I think you get better odds by waiting a week or two when we see his roles lessened and then maybe it boosts in mid season, like maybe December 15th when, the guys who sign contracts start to get traded and we get more pieces moving again. Maybe Gordon Hayward gets shipped to a contender. Maybe Terry Rozier gets shipped to a team that's trying to make a strong playoff push. Then Brandon Miller's opportunity rises and his usage rate is going to rise a lot where he becomes much more interesting. But for now, it's a three-man race between Vic, Scoot, and Chet. Uh, is it just Victor? Is the odds too steep to even play it? How do you feel about minus 110, plus 275, plus 300? Victor Scoot Chet. Well, the honest answer is I had the remember when DraftKings was giving like the boosted odds for for uh what's his name for Victor to win. It was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful the odds were boosted, so I had to take it. But my my actual feeling here is I think that this race for rookie of the year is a lot like 2013, which was uh Dame Lillard versus Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was Heavy favorite, heavy favorite there. Um, both on teams that weren't supposed to compete, but the guard just put up a little bit better numbers. There might be times it, it might take Victor a year to really get, you know, his his bearings in the NBA. So if I'm going to go with somebody here based off the odds, I like Scoot. I think Scoot can put up some numbers. Uh, I think there's like parallels there. Although the past like five years, the favorite in the Rookie of the Year, four out of five have have won. Um, except for Scotty Barnes in 2022. What do you mean? For the past five years, rookie of the years done the, what? The the favorite has won. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. I want to speak to because I heard has won, and I want to speak to another point of actually why I kind of like Scoot to add on to your point. Winning as an NBA team is completely insignificant to yeah. the awards race. The only time when the rookie of the year has come from a winning team and using which team has done better to split hairs in the awards race was that Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley season where they were both just so close the whole season that we boosted Barnes because not only had he a little late season surge, but that he was on a better Raptors team. But like last year, we look at Paolo. They were atrocious. Uh, he was the clear lock from day one. Uh, I'm 
still all in on Victor. Uh, I think I would play his plus 100 if you could still find it at DraftKings or Bet Rivers. It's actually plus 125 at Bet MGM. So I, that's where I would take it. And then I would just sit back. He's the only one to me that has a clear team being built around him. And it's going to give him such a share of the stats, the usage, the playmaking, the structure of the team. Scoot is still playing in a place where he's got other guards in Simons and Shaden Sharp that he's going to need to defer to and who have big contracts and scoring ability. And then Aiton's going to be very involved too on that team. So I think there's a lot of places for possible credit to go around, but Scoot's not going to win NBA games, but it's not going to impact his ability to win rookie of the year. If you're looking to split hairs because OKC might be good and that's your reason to do Chet Holmgren, you're missing the point on rookie of the year. Winning generally does not matter. So please do not factor that into your awards. Uh, Let's go over to Defensive Player of the Year. This one, I think, is pretty interesting. There actually might be a few places where I like some odds. There's some names that I think are way too deep in the awards. This is where we can get into picking out some long shots because in NBA MVP and Rookie of the Year, we rarely get any long shots coming to the forefront. I mean, there was that one year Donovan Mitchell took a surge uh, from like the 12th spot in the draft, but who, going over to who do you think who do you think's the longest odds for rookie of the year ever to win in the past 12 years? Not Donovan Mitchell. Well, he didn't win it because Ben Simmons won. Oh, it. yeah. Ben Simmons won it. But it was it was Malcolm Brogdon. I was gonna say who, it's gotta be Bro- I was I was I was one second away from saying it has to be Brogdon because there was no was that Zion's rookie season or was that Embiid's rookie season? Embiid's rookie. rookie. Embiid and was the favorite that year. Games, but he was amazing and he almost won the award with 30 games. And then, yeah, like, de facto went to Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon was, I think, plus 5,000 to win it. Do you think Scoot gets a nice boost because of Chet and Victor's potential injury risk and their lanky structure entering their rookie season? Is there a chance that they're not going to play the 65 games? And just by the rule, Scoot gets the biggest boost? I would say yes. Maybe, but, you know, Scoot also got hurt in the preseason. I don't know, like, is Scoot, like, do we know if he if he's injury prone? He got injured in, in Summer League. Yeah. And he was injured yeah. all last season for G League Ignite. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he, like, he, he, he he's built like a truck, but I don't know if he's, right. like, in, not injury prone. But, yeah. We'll see whether he fits the Russell Westbrook mold or the Derrick Rose John Morant. Let's hope it's the Russell Westbrook with the durability so we get to see more of Scoot Henderson. Uh. Going over to Defensive Player of the Year, Gib, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, coming in at the top spot, plus 600 is the best odds you could find. Evan Mobley, number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo, number three, Bam Adebayo, four, Anthony Davis, five, Rudy Gobert, six, Rudy Gobert, sixth. That one intrigues me. Uh, I think that's the first place I'll start. Should Gobert be 20 to one to win this award anywhere? Isn't he like every year a top three candidate why is he sixth in the odds and why is he 20 to one someplace and why aren't we betting this um i think that like defensive player of the year has a lot to do also with winning i think there's a lot of there's a lot of correlation between the teams winning and uh defensive player of the year you look like jaron jackson memphis was good marcus smart the celtics were good and the team was just like may not be good. We don't know. Anthony Edwards had to take a step up. So I think that's kind of hurting him in the defensive player of the year, like odds preseason. Um, I actually don't like him this year. Uh, and he's also, what's he now? 30, he's like 33, 34. I'll look it up. Or maybe he's, maybe he's, he's 31, 32. 
31. 31. So I, he's got a couple more uh, years in his prime, but um, there's a chance he takes a step back. Um, and they may play him less because him and Cat don't fit well together. So trying to figure figure that out. Um, so I think that's why that's that's hurting him. He is still an elite defensive talent, but I don't I don't love him this year. I don't love him as. Uh, Are you player. more looking at the top of the page if you were going to dabble in these awards with like a Mobley or a Jaron Jackson? The other one that sticks out to me is Draymond, 25 to one. Yeah, I, I like the Draymond. Um, I thought that was. I thought there was three that really stood out to me. So, two longer shots. Draymond, I liked. Drew Holiday at plus twenty five, uh, twenty five hundred, and then the yeah. kind of favorite uh, was Bam Adebayo. I think he hasn't won the award yet. He has been an absolute menace on the defensive end. He just like helped carry the team uh, to the NBA Finals on the defensive end. I think there is a chance that they're kind of like, hey, you've been doing this the past three years. Like, maybe maybe we give this to you. So those are the three in defensive player of the year that I was eyeing. I like the BAM call because there's a chance also with Miami's tumultuous offseason that if they're still a stable force, it just becomes, was it BAM's amazing defense that kind of held it down? And they have other really good defensive players around him. Like Lowry's a good veteran defender. Jimmy Butler's a good veteran defender. Kobe Martin's a good veteran defender. So some of these players are going to help boost the defensive statistics of the Miami Heat, no matter what. The Draymond at twenty-five to one—that's super interesting. He's probably—he still thinks he's the best defender in the league. He's still going to be playing. He's going to want this award. Uh, what I'm conflicted with is I—I I also kind of sneakily want Warriors under forty-eight and a half wins. So you Ooh. said correlating winning and defensive player of the year is important. I can't justify playing an under on a season win total while playing a defensive player of the year award race. Those things don't correlate. I also kind of sneakily want Steph's to be the most average three pointers per game at minus 150, even though it's minus odds to start the season. I still think it's worth it. Um, Draymond enters this season a little bit banged up. Like he's coming into the season with an injury and it's going to allow Chris Paul to start the season likely as the starter, which we'll talk about in the six man of the year candidate stuff. But that makes me feel like, do I necessarily want to bet on Draymond's right, right now is a 25 to one boosted odds because the moment he starts playing, it's back to 16 to one. Or the question is, is he out for a week or two and we could potentially get like a 32 to one eventually and then play it. Or is this injury just going to affect him too much that he's not going to get the volume when he returns? So a lot of questions. I kind of think 25 to one is juicy enough to dabble on for a Draymond Green award. I think, yeah, I, I agree. It's juicy, but there are question marks and it's an ankle injury. I think it's an ankle injury, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, you're moving side to side and that's what he's so great at is being able to move quickly and, and being in the right position. If he's not able to get like that full push off that ankle, as someone who's had hundred ankle sprains, I just know like it could he could not be like the exact same player or like that dominant force, so he might not be able to win it. Any weird interest in like the uh, Walker Kesslers who get a lot of love on the defensive analytics, the OGN and Nobis? I don't think they're going to be on the best winning teams, so I'm kind of skipping those names. Is Victor Wembanyama just instantly entered in the defensive player of the year conversation, or is this a year you'd only play him at rookie of the year? Because if he's doing those Spider-Man steals and averaging four or five blocks a game, I mean, that kind of becomes interesting, right? 30 to one at FanDuel, 40 to one at Bet Rivers. 
it, it just I, I just think it's gonna take him at least a year to be like an like the most dominant defensive force in the in the NBA. Um I, I, I'm not gonna bet him for a defensive player of the year. It's just I've never. Right. I, I was talking that. myself into it, so I'm glad you just threw some cold water on that. All <laughs> right, let's go over to most improved player. It's probably the most fun one to discuss. Also, the one that's most confusing to actually bet. So this is one where we go back to talking about the criteria for the award. Really have no clue what this is. Is it going from role player to starter? Is it going from starter to star? Is it going from star to superstar? Is it go? Is it someone who's made multiple jumps? Last year, we had SGA going from star, I mean, from starter to star. We had Lori Marganin probably going from role player to starter star, kind of in between. So maybe Lori Marganin made a jump and a half while SGA only made one jump. The year prior, it was John Morant going from star to superstar. On his own team was Desmond Bain going from role player to star, making a full two or three jumps. But Morant won the award. So I'm just a little bit confused. And Morant gave his award to Desmond Bain. Like he literally handed him the trophy and didn't want it for himself because Morant was an all-star the year before that. It was a little bit weird. Kind of strange to know who wins this award, but also really fun to talk about because there are some really cool names that are up and coming Gib, how do you approach the NBA most improved player? And are there anyone on the list that you kind of like? Close your eyes and 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 pray for the best. No, this this award is is a total crapshoot, right? Like the the odds are always very, very wild. There is no definition, as you said, for this. Um the the ones that I like, there are two two that I liked. Um, and they're both on the same team, honestly. So, which is a little weird, but uh Franz Wagner. And Paolo, Ban- and Paolo Banchero. Because if Paolo is able to go from rookie of the year, and I don't know if there's been any historical data being rookie of the year to winning most improved, but if he's able to go from what he was last year, which is like a 20-point, eight-rebound guy, really good guy, to like a bona fide all-star, like make that jump that we're seeing like John Morant made, like that's most improved in, in, some, in some people's eyes, clearly. So – those are the two guys that I said, hey, like, I can see the storyline as to why these guys won the award. And Franz just looked fantastic for Team Germany. What if I told you that no second-year player has ever won the most improved award? Because it kind of comes to this, you expect players to take that sophomore year rise. You expect every player to get a lot better going into their second year. So when they do overperform their expectations, they aren't given the like due credit that they took a massive leap. The players who generally win this award are third-year players, actually. So that's why I think Cade is top of the list. That's why uh, last year, Anthony Edwards was the clear lead favorite. This year, we get uh, Maxi and Cunningham and Reeves, some guys who have been in the league pool, who have been in the league, who look to take big steps forward. I kind of like Maxi. 12 to 1. I think if the 76ers hold the float, then he's going to get a lot of due credit for this. We'll see what shakes out with the Harden situation. But it seems like if the 76ers go away from Harden, it's going to be to prominently feature a lot more maxi and to save cap space in future years. They're looking to not bring on any salary for next season or the season after so that they have Joel Embiid, Maxi, and two max contract slots. So for this season, it would mean that Maxi would have quite the opportunity share to put up some big stats. So that was a name that I liked. 
Franz Wagner was a name that I loved, Gib. So I'm glad that you're jumping in. He was so unbelievable in the FIBA. He was absolutely incredible. And on DraftKings, you can get it at 35 to 1. So I think I'm very interested in Wagner. A lot of people sneakily like the Magic to be one of those really improved teams. I actually think Wagner might be straight up better than Paolo. Stop. And for that reason. Stop. Stop. No, I'm serious. If I believe that, then I should be betting Franz to win this award, right? Yeah, I mean, if you believe that, but Paolo is a, is is that dude? Or I Paolo that. is so <laughs> inefficient right now that I that for, for right now I think Franz is a bigger impact on winning basketball games. I think if you need someone to put up twenty two and nine on any given night, or if you need someone to like play in an All Star game or just put up stats and look like Amari Stoudemire, then I would choose uh, uh, Paolo. But if I'm choosing someone to actually win ball games or potentially go over to another winning situation, plucked out of the Magic organization, it's going to be Franz. So I think if Franz really steps up this year, he's got a chance to average 22, 5, and 5. And if he does that and the Magic are a playoff team, he's slipping into that marketing, that like seven foot foreign white guy that no one's really ever heard about to become the odds on favorite. So I would like to dabble on the Franz Wagner 35 to 1 at. DraftKings would be a bet that I would take. I don't think there's anyone else that I'd actually dabble in the awards with here. There's, there's two. Halliburton. Well, there's two names. Two two names. I, nah, I don't know. Uh, Ty, Tyrese was was unbelievable last year. I don't, maybe he takes another step, but I is I, it the John Moran step? Is it that star star to superstar? That would be the only yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It that would mean the Pacers would have to have a great year, and I don't I don't really see that happening. Uh, one question. One question I have, and then one person that I actually think is interesting. One, Kate Cunningham. You said. Yep. Is this most improved from last year or from two years ago? Because he played 15 games last year. I think it's just like most improved generally as a – I know this is a cop-out answer, but I think if he just enters the scene as a superstar, it's just based on his career performance to now. Okay. Because, like, he had a great rookie year. Last year he was having a pretty good year, but his shin gave out on him, so he like, right. was out for the rest of the year. So, I, I don't know. This, this award still confused me. The last so, guy that I'll mention – Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Who's one more? Uh, for strictly statistical purposes, like his numbers are going to take the biggest jump. Uh, Shade and Sharp on the Blazers. Okay, he's just going to really get. Like he's just going to get a lot more opportunities. He's obviously a great, you know, a great talent. One of the most athletic guys in the league. If you're looking for someone, and they're going to say like he, I don't know what he averaged this year. Maybe 11, 10 points. He, I can see him averaging twenty points this year. Not efficiently, not in a, not like they're not going to win games, but he's going to put up the numbers and he's going to have the biggest, you know, delta between last year's points and this year's points. You like him more than Anthony Simons? Yes, uh, I do. Because Anthony Simons, I actually think he's going to have a tougher time because he's going to get the number one defender each night. He's going to put up good numbers. He put up good numbers last year, but I think he's going to be way less efficient this year. So you're in... Agreement with DraftKings. DraftKings, Shaden Sharp, 22 to 1. Uh, Anthony Simons, 35 to 1. In every other book, Anthony Simons is ahead of uh, Shaden Sharp in the odds. More 16 to 1s for Simons, 22 to 1s for Shaden Sharp. So make sure if you're betting Shaden Sharp, you're doing it at Bet Rivers or Points Bet. And if you're betting a guy like Anthony Simons, you're doing it at DraftKings. Uh, Two other names that I want to mention, or I want to quickly touch on that uh, K. 
Cade Cunningham thing. Did you hear that he was torching Team USA while playing for the USA Select in the practices? I did hear that, and it's that's exciting. Um, it's eyebrow raising. That, it's just it's eyebrow raising. But has that ever like you know who did that first and then came out after that and was like unbelievable? It was Kyrie? I was Remember, about to say, Kyrie. Kyrie. Remember the videos of Kyrie with Kobe and just dribbling through everybody? And, and everyone has seen those videos. If you've seen any Kyrie handles videos, you've seen yeah. him in that baggy navy blue Team USA jersey just torching Kobe. Um, the other one that's worth mentioning is Alperin Shangun. And if the Rockets really take a leap, he also was dominant in FIBA. And he's got a chance for ridiculous stats because he might be the focal point of the offense. But the question is, can he sustain defensively in like an Ime Udoka system where he's going to be required to be a rim protector, someone who could slide on defense? And that's shown to be his weakness. So does Ime just pull the plug on Shangun quickly and like get him out of these games and play way more Jock Landau? I kind of think that's coming. But if you're all in on the Shangun hype train, then 35 to 1 at DraftKings, or wait, no, that's not the best odds for him. Uh, 20 to 1 at Bet Rivers or Points Bet is a nice way to play the Rockets as a nice escalator. I do think the Rockets are going to be really good. And I have a bunch of their futures over win totals to make the playoffs, to be in the play-in, things like that in my futures portfolio. So if you like those ideas, then you could play into the Shangun. I just don't see it because I don't see the defense. Um, Sixth man of the year? Yeah. Is this this IQs to lose? Uh... I was like, yes, but the the Celtics situation, who ends up starting for them? Do you think that Derek White starts for them? Mm, at the beginning of the season, yes. I think it's I think Celtics might have no candidates for this award because of the way they rotate their starters. It's fucking the stupidest thing in the world, Gibby. To think that Drew Holiday is going to be coming off the bench for this team. Like, He's not coming off the bench. He's not coming off the bench. He, th- that's the talk right now. That's what they're doing in preseason. And that's the talk that they need to save his legs and minutes restrict him. And they want to re-sign him for future years after this year. So they want to save him and play him slow and, and load manage him. W- what are we talking about? We've seen the Celtics play Al Horford so much through the past few years. Drew Holiday is going to win the starting job, and it's probably going to send Derek White back to the bench. The question is, does Porzingis or Al Horford get hurt at some point, and does that make them start Tatum at the four, Brown at the three, Holiday at the two, Derek White at the one? I kind of think there's no Celtic to bet for the award. Okay, so going off that, because if if Derek White was a candidate, I I would think that he might be the favorite based off what happened last year. But... One guy that I really love, I, I don't love quickly for this award. I know he was like the favorite last year. I hated what I saw in the playoffs, um, and it really bugged me. And I don't know if you, uh, Dante's going to take any of his minutes and shots. But um, I really love, and hear me out, it's a little bit of a long time, Malik Muck. I really like Malik Muck. Think about all the guys who have won six man of the year going back Ed for a while. Scores. Scores, man. Jamal Crawford's the bench scores. Eric Gordon, uh, I don't know if he ended up winning. He was a favorite one year. Lou Will. There's a, the random Montrezl Harrell one. I, I don't even remember that. Yeah, but he Tyler scored Hero. too. Yeah. So these are guys are who go get buckets. Now, the Kings, good team. They're going to be good. They're going to be good again. This is wild for us to say that, but the Kings are going to be good. And mm-hmm. if they if they if they are a top you know a top four or five seed, 
I don't think you need to be a top, you know, two seed for to win this award. And Malik Monk comes off the bench and averages 19 points a game. Give it to him. You know who would be the happiest if Malik won that award? John Calipari. I don't know. <laughs> Bill Simmons. He's always calling out my guy Malik Monk. He always says <laughs> Monk. He can't can't pronounce it correctly. Can't pronounce it correctly, but we'll be rooting for him really hard. I I kind of like that one. I think it's sneaky. It definitely fits the description. The other two that we need to talk about are uh, Buddy Heald, if he's going to also mm. be a bench scorer. I don't know if he's going to start for the Pacers and it's going to be Matherin that comes off the bench or someone like that or Nemhart. Or I don't yeah. know if Heald's going to come off the bench. I also don't love the idea of betting into a six-man-of-the-year candidate who's in trade rumors, but he fits the description of like a lights-out shooter who can come in who's going to be on a high-powered offense that plays with so much pace. Skip, the Pacers were 21st in offensive efficiency last year, but they finished third in points per game because they play with the fastest pace in the NBA. So we're going to look for that to continue, especially bringing in more floor spacers, guys like Obi and more shooters around Halliburton. Buddy Heald fits that description. So it it does fit. But again, if he's in trade rumors, that's scary. 30 to one for Buddy Heald at DraftKings, as low as 12 to one at Bet Rivers. So we are seeing massive discrepancy in the odds. So maybe you just want to pluck off the 30 to one at DraftKings because it's so juicy. But again, he just might not be a candidate because he might be traded. He might be having problems with his team. He might be sent to a situation where he becomes a starter. The other one that we need to talk about, and we talked about this with the Draymond situation is Chris Paul. Now, if Chris Paul accepted coming off the bench for this team, to me, it would be a no-brainer. You have to bet Chris Paul at his 20 to 1 at DraftKings. Like he's the point god. He's going to be one of the best players ever to be a six-man coming off the bench, but he has no interest in embracing it. It kind of remembers, it kind of reminds me of Carmelo when he didn't want to come off the bench, a fellow banana boat guy. Uh, with the Draymond injury, with the way the Warriors showed that they even brought Steph off the bench in the playoffs. Remember when they did that? Because Jordan Poole was rolling and Steph was coming back off injury. For an entire round, they brought Steph off the bench. When Draymond kicked Sabonis last season, stomped Sabonis last season and was suspended, Draymond started coming off the bench for this team when he returned. So the way that they use their guys, I don't know if I could, similar to the Celtics, I don't know if we could bet a Warriors guy to win this award. But fuck, man, Chris Paul, 20 to 1, coming off the bench to win this award seems so easy if we if he was willing to accept it. Yeah, I, I agree. But my question is, does Chris Paul still have it like that? Does I would take the, I would take the 5% implied probability you're paying on a ticket that the answer is yes, that he can still put up 16 and 8 on any given night. Like last year, but maybe yeah, he, he might was hurt. Cooked. Yeah, I was, I'm just remembering at the end of last year, the Suns, I thought, were 10 times better with Dev Book running point and Chris Paul off the court. When he wasn't on the court, I thought they were better. And I don't know if the numbers back that up, but I, this is just eyeing it. And I was like, I don't know if Chris Paul still has it like that. Do you think the Warriors are going to look to trade Chris Paul at some point midseason? I was shocked they didn't try and get Drew Holiday. I was shocked. Well, we don't know they tried to get Drew Holiday. Oh, we don't know that. Um, do I think they try and trade him? Uh, uh, no. Does his contract line up with everyone else's expiring? Like with uh, 
I think play, it's after this year. He's on an expiring this season. No, nah, I think I think they let it ride. I think I think for money reasons they let it ride. I wonder if they were interested in the Drew Holiday. Do you think do you think that would have been a better offer for the Blazers than what they got in Rob Williams and Brogdon? Because my answer to that part is no, unless they were like I don't even think Kuminga and Moody and those kind of smaller pieces, young pieces on the Warriors that they could entice. Like, hey, we'll give you Chris Paul to match salaries, your choice of Kuminga or Moody and a pick. Does that is that even better than Brogdon, Rob Williams, and two picks? No. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. And they have well, I would be shocked also if Brogdon's on the Blazers opening night, and he's someone who could be a six man. Say if he gets straight to the Clippers. And he's six man there, back to back winner. I don't know if that's ever happened, but or yeah, Lou will. Oh, it's definitely uh, happened. He yeah, definitely yeah, wants to defend his award. He was definitely mad at the Celtics. He wasn't going to get the opportunity. Uh, can you bet Brogdon eleven to one, thirteen to one at FanDuel while he's still on the Blazers, or do you wait for the trade to happen? Probably the odds shift against you. Like if he was sent to the Clippers, the odds are then going to move to six to one or eight to the one. Do you take it now, hoping for a trade, or do you just wait and sit back? If you're gonna bet it at all, you should do it now, because you're gonna okay. get you're gonna get you're gonna get terrible odds. Like once he goes to the Clippers, now Norman Powell's starting, and then Norman Powell's odds go to zero essentially because he's now a starter. He's not a six man guy. Brogdon um, would be the odds on favorite if oh, he yeah. was on the Clippers. Hard favorite. He'd be a hard favorite. Like if he's Tyler healthy. Hero, Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole were around that plus four hundred, plus five hundred. This year, the le- the least or the the shortest odds is quickly at eight. 0.5 to 1. So I think we'd get a situation where Brockton becomes around like a plus 450 if he was traded to the Clippers. Yeah, I agree. But you know, what did he hurt last year? Because he was terrible when after he got hurt. Was it his shoulder? Hand. It was something with his hand. I mean, hands are tricky, right? You don't know like how long it actually takes to recover, but he was awful uh, in that playoff series after he hurt his hand. Uh, I know that because he killed a lot of my, my parlays. Do you even want to entertain the discussion about NBA 2023-2024 clutch player of the year? The odds are posted, but is there any reason? Like, no, right? Stupidest award. Who ends up making the most game-winning fourth quarter shots is the award that you're betting on. So it's like Lillard is the odds on favorite. Like, Luka's interesting. Anthony Edwards is interesting. Devin Booker's interesting. Taking long shots like Trey Young or DeMar DeRozan are interesting or Curry's interesting. That is a total crapshoot. It is literally who gets the opportunity to shoot with three seconds left and makes a ton of shots. It was De'Aaron Fox's weird fourth quarter streak last year. It would have been DeMar DeRozan if the award existed two years ago. Or it would have been DeMar DeRozan's daughter if the award existed for the play-in series because she was clutch, screaming from the sidelines and ruining the Raptors' free throws at the end of last season. That was hysterical. Um, Gib, the only one that's actually worth discussing, and I don't know if you have the odds up in front of you, is Coach of the Year. Do you have them in front of you? I can grab them in one second. Where's Coach of the Year? Because I didn't Uh, see it on the action site that I know you were using. uh, I don't see it here either. Yeah, no, I don't have it. I will... I will go through it for you, and you could just listen to me talk about the odds, and then you can respond to some of the coaches. Mark Dagnall of OKC is the odds-on favorites, seven and a half to one. We talked about this earlier. If you're interested in SGA, if you're interested in Chet Rookie of the Year, if you're interested in OKC's overs, the seven point five to one Coach of the Year is a nice way to play an escalator. But I don't love the idea of playing the odds-on favorite at this part of the season. You could wait on it. 
Adrian Griffin, second, new coach for the Bucks. Joe Missoula, third for the Celtics. Jason Kidd, fourth. I have no idea why Jason Kidd is there. Rick Carlisle, fifth, 16 to 1 for the Pacers. Nick Nurse tied. Frank Vogel tied. Eric Spolstra tied at 16 to 1. Is this the year where if the Heat finally balance out after a hard offseason where they didn't acquire a superstar? Is this the year where if the Heat are just fucking good again, then it's Spolstra? Like, to me, that's the first name that stuck out to me. Uh, Vogel stuck out to me, too, because of the Suns situation. However, uh, I just kind of think that the Suns are going to get so much credit from so many other places that it's going to be hard to give it to Frank Vogel. So that was really the only place that I was really looking. Ime with the Rockets, I don't think it's going to win enough. JB Bickerstaff with the Cavs, they've already been so winning. Jamal Mosley. With the Orlando Magic, 22 to 1. If you think the Magic are going to take that big step, I'd rather play Franz at 35 to 1 for most improved. I think those are very correlated. Ty Lu, 30 to 1. Do the Clippers finally stay healthy? Are there any of these names that are starting to spark your interest, Gib? No, nah, I try and stay away from Coach of the Year Award because also don't really know what it means. Is it like the team that gets the best record, who has the most improvement, that does better than what their preseason? There's just a lot of. I, I stay away from this, but if I was to make one bet, one bet, it'd be Ty Lue because I feel like he's he's deserved it for for a long time, and I feel like the Clippers can have a good year because there's not really much that's expected of them this year because that, people are finally tired of like the Clipper talk, which means there's an opportunity for the the coaching to to you know be highlighted. The past few years, it almost felt like they were a year behind in the award. Like, Monty should have won it one year, and then he ended up winning it the next year. Thibodeau should have won it, and he won it, like, the next year. Like, they were, like, making up for lost time with this award. Uh, I just think it's crazy. Like, we talk about in the NFL that Tomlin's never won Coach of the Year. I think it's ludicrous that Spolstra has never won Coach of the Year. And coming into this season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I thought, eh, they don't really have like a clear superstar that if they have another winning record and get back to the playoffs, it might just be the year we give Tomlin the credit. I feel the same way about Spolstra. I do think I'm going to bet the best odds I could find on Spolstra. I'll have to do some odd shopping later. I think it's 20 to 1 at DraftKings. He has to win this award at some point. Is Spolstra going to coach for 20 more seasons, Gib? I think he coaches 10, 15 more years and takes Riley's job. Okay, so if, kind of Brad Stevens-esque, if, does Eric Spolstra ever win Coach of the Year in his award, in his lifetime? Yeah, how many times has Phil Jackson won it? Once, maybe? I don't even know. I don't, if, know. I don't I even feel like Spolstra's too good of a coach to never win this award, and if you're getting 20 to 1, then just sign me up every year. It's kind of like an investment strategy. Just give me 21 on that person every year. Give me... 8-1 to one on Patrick Mahomes to win MVP every single year because I think he'll win it more than once every eight years or something like that. So I like the idea of taking Eric Spolstra to win Coach of the Year. And then let's kind of extrapolate this to any other prop, future, uh, awards race, win total, anything. I, I opened up the floor to you, Kim. I said, find anything else on the board that you like. Is there anything that you'd like to throw out? Yes. One wild bet that I want to throw out. very excited for it, so I am too. It's very, I'm very excited about it. And it's the first year of it. So, in-season and in-season tournament MVP. There is no backup data to support any of the odds here. There is nothing to back it up. We have no idea what this is going to be. We have no idea. That means the books know nothing. 
So the longer the shots, the for me, the better here, right? Super excited about this because I feel like a long shot is going to win it. My guy, Anthony Edwards, who I love. Yep. I I think that there's a chance that the Timberwolves are like, we want to win something. We got to win something. So they go super hard after winning the in-season tournament. Anthony Edwards goes in. He balls out, averages 30, and gets the MVP. He is right now, I think, plus 4,000 to win to win that. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly interesting. It's like, who are you going to pick? I think LeBron at 30 to 1, he's always just going to want someone who wants awards. In the first year that this award exists, the Lakers, I think, sneakily could go for it, and he could want this award just to put his name in the legacy book. Donovan Mitchell, 25 to 1, interests me. Steph Curry, 22 to 1, interests me. Uh, Luka Doncic, not interesting at 22 to 1. I don't think the Mavs are going to win this. Uh, Zion, I think it's like 40 to 1. That interests me. So I think there's definitely some sneaky ways. Let's see how the um, group stage game goes and see if we see any team really going for it and that we want to back their team and their star player because we think they're going to really gun for it once the season tournament's starting. Is there anything else that you want to discuss? No, nah, that, that was it. But if you in-season tournament, put some money down. I and like Edward, <laughs> 40 to 1. That, that's pretty much it for me. I also like Steph Curry's most threes average, minus 150. I think you just take it while it's there. That will wrap up our awards discussion for this season. I have a host of NBA futures I will release and make sure they're readily available. They are already posted on my Substack, And I look forward to chatting with you guys all season long on the FBI International page. Thank you and peace out.